Hello, Matthew. What's up, buddy? Yeah, dude. Was at Office uh, Depot, our staples or whatever, with my wife. She was trying to buy a printer cartridge. You know how some things are just way more expensive than you would think? This thing was like almost 70 bucks, a printer cartridge. Yeah. Ah. And I uh, was like, hell no. But it reminded me of something else that's maybe too expensive. Have you ever had a personal trainer? What do you think, man? <laughs> like, not, not because of the way I look, um, but do you think if I could have 15 cardiologists tell me I need a personal trainer and I'd be like, nope, not doing it. Just, I could not justify the expense, even if it was like $5 an hour, which they're not, are they? No, they it's, not. it feels, it. I, I think back in 09, I was paying a hundred bucks per sesh. Is, can you get a guy that'll like give you a six month plan and check out like, or like, because it adds up pretty quick. Like if you're the type of person that needs it just for motivation, like to get your ass in the gym every day, you're going to be out like four or 500 bucks a month, right? Minimum. Yeah, if you need it a lot. Yeah. I know. So, you know, some people get it two, three times a week. So you, you, you do the math, Matt. So what's talk to me, personal trainer ink cartridge, connect it, baby. Bring it together. Just things that uh, cost a little more than uh, you would expect. Was there another option on the ink cartridge? Because sometimes it's like, nope, HP number 36. Hey, hey, the ink cartridge was a setup <laughs> for the personal trainer because this week we're talking about how to stay in shape in middle age. Okay, we don't need to go back to the printer cartridge. People just can use that as a reference for things that cost too much. Talk a little bit about personal trainers, where you should be going, Matt. Can we tell the audience? <laughs> it seems like we've been talking for two minutes. Lance has been listening to me whine about my life for about six hours. That was our warm-up today, our, our jumping jack. So if he yeah. sounds tired and sweaty, it's not his fault. It's my fault. But I'm warmed up now. I'm ready but to leave go. It, but leave it to you to like latch onto the printer cartridge, knowing that this week's episode is about how to stay in shape. Uh, okay. So, all right. Yeah. So personal trainers are a little more expensive than it, it may feel like they should be. Uh, are there personal trainers in Costa Rica? Yep. Yep. How, how much? I mean, American I, dollars. I have no idea. Zero. Okay. I do know. I think some of the gyms here might have just people walking around that you could access for help. They want to put you on a plan. Something like that. Okay. I'm sure whatever you pay up there, it's a half or a quarter what it is. Still feels expensive, but it's it's cheaper. Cheaper. Like, okay. I'm sure it's cheaper. All right. Well, terrible setup aside, we're gonna have uh, your buddy Andrew on. Andrew and he's got doll. Yeah. He's a comedian. This guy is so funny. Yeah. Yeah. But I think you. I I think you. Well. Let's just say this. If he Jesse cases us, he will never be back. If anybody comes on here and we get a million compliments about how great they are, you're done. You're so done if you're listening, Andrew, which you can't, it'd be impossible for you to listen to this. Check it down, buddy, if you ever want to get nope. back on here. Jesse is so dead to me right now, man. <laughs> I know. Try to make us funny. Try to make us sound good, Andrew. Stop your... Uh comedic bullshit no so he's gonna come on we're gonna talk about uh staying in shape in middle age it sounds like he's got some ideas uh i don't know if you'll have ideas i know i will but uh, i haven't seen you prep for a single episode but hopefully you'll 
you'll be able to knock some uh, one-liners out of the park there. Did you notice that? I don't know if you noticed through our exchanges that now when I get the comics on, I try to hit them up for for recording so I don't have to prep open mic. I think I got Andrew on the hook. So That's great. That's great. Yeah. Uh, so looking forward to that conversation. Uh, last week, I liked last week. It did a lot for me personally talking about um, – just letting go of your kids' sports performance. I uh, commit committed to a pledge. Remember? Let's, yeah, let's hear about that. How, I think I'm guessing between then and now, your son might have had some some games. Is that true? He had a couple games. How'd you do, bro? Did you go Bobby Knight on some furniture or anything? Or? Nope. I actually had a lot more fun just cheering. Uh, I did feel the thoughts drift in, like the desire to like provide some advice and provide some ideas, and I just resisted. Can you can you walk us through any like all right, this time down he clearly didn't do this. I felt this, but instead I did this. Can we mad lib this a little bit? Um like I could have said right after the game, sort of wasting his dribble. So instead of like squaring up, giving some fakes. Because you know, when you, once you put your dribble on the floor, you're all immediately slower. Yeah. In terms yeah. of getting by, guys. So he'll do that. And 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 December twenty three, what would you have done? You would have like yelled from the stands, or just afterwards be like, "I need you to, I need you to think about your first step more." Or was it a yell? Was it? Oh, you're gonna let that guy get by you like you did last week? Like, oh, you're not. You gotta. Or is it this? Just some fatherly of unsolicited advice afterwards. No, it's just they were they lost a couple very close games, and uh, he was very frustrated and emotional. And and uh, I'd say a couple years ago, I'd be like, "Look, man, well, you're gonna have to do this if you expect to win <laughs> games like that." And uh, I did not do that. <laughs> That's gotta. So, it's we're talking about parenting, but that probably like every relationship, whether it's your wife or your work, you know, someone who works for you, like. Not always, not always the best time to be like, ah, you probably could have done a little better there when, when they're when they're emotionally torn apart by something that happened, huh? Yeah, it's yeah. such a gray area to, to decide, you know, with parenting and, and even in relationships, like, uh, what is your place? Because I think if people look back on how they interacted with you, they'd probably be pissed if you never gave any thoughts or insight or... Um, comments or constructive feedback you know uh but where does it cross the line in terms of like intervening and you know overwhelming somebody with uh, your own desires i don't know i don't know where it crosses the line it's still such a gray area i'm sure you feel that well yeah because i i've been hanging out my kids and playing basketball with them i i could see there's like I, I might have mentioned it last week, but there's stuff that's fixable quickly. And I'm like, oh, should I shut up? Like, it's not all condescending, right? It's it's teaching a little bit. So I'm like, oh, straighten your hand out of it. I don't now I don't know what to do. But I told my son today because I was like, you know, I kind of need your support right now, too. And this is I was like, think about it. When you come off the basketball court, what what do you want to hear? And like, what you really want to hear is, uh, you know, essentially like, you're good enough for me. I hope you had a good time and I love you. Something like that. You're still good enough for me. Yeah. And and so I told him, 
I kind of want to hear that from you guys because I'm going through a lot of stuff and, and I don't want you to worry because I think they might be worried about me. Like I'm by myself. My daughter will say, like, oh, you, I, I'm worried that you're like lonely. And I'm like, I don't want, I don't want, I feel fine. I don't want you to worry about me. I just, sometimes I want you to say, you know what, dad, you're good enough for me. And you're, you're, I know you're working through some stuff and I love you. And so I told my son that I said that to him. Wow. But now on the flip side, he was playing 2k uh, basketball on the PS five the other day and bitching about how he always gets crushed. And I started to tell him that he needs to like take some time and learn how to make threes in the video game because everybody else does. And then I was like, oh, my God, this is worse than, like, <laughs> critiquing a Little League fucking basketball game. And he's just, like, you know, already pissed off that he that – because he, there are dudes that are amazing at those video games that, like, live for it. Just come and oh, smoke yeah. your ass, right? He's a fucking 10-year-old. Yeah. And so he's, like, his record's, like, 13 and 400 or something like, like that. And Dude, my son's invested a good – G note in that game. Yeah, yeah, because you can Dying buy up right? to get your to get. Oh your, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Over the years, he's like put lots of money. He's I don't know how he's not that into it anymore, but yeah, yeah. Funny. But there's dudes that are like your age, my age that are. Oh yeah, that are all in. Anyways, I'm like, all right, this is not this is not what we pledge for. Is is to tell him at the same time like you shouldn't play video games all the time. You got to put your time in, bro. You gotta put your time in. It's a contradictive message. So, but but yeah, you're worried I, about success in 2K. It's probably uh, gone. You've gone too far. Yeah, it was more like, dude, stop bitching about it then. But my thing right now is he's he. I, I mentioned to it, and, I, and this is one where I really don't know where to go with this. This might come back to what we talked about last week about who's who's affected more, him or me is he said, I'm not sure if I want to play, like, team ball right now. I just kind of want to – I go to this practice at our club, and they have a, a really good scrimmage, and he plays with older kids. He just wants to do that and, you know, and play pickup games and shoot when he can and come to the park with me and get some one-on-one, and I was kind of, like, very disappointed. And uh, I don't know. You think that's one where you go – you encourage as a dad and go, you know what, I think you should, you should give it a shot again, or you go, all right, that's your desire. It's okay. At that age, man, I'd let him roll with what he wants to do because it's just a point in time. Could you deal with that right now, though? When you, when you talk about a kid in high school and you go, you only got two more two more years of this. Would you Would you really – could you t- Could you just go, that's fine with me? I think I'd be disappointed, but, yeah, I could get there because – I, yeah, I know I what mean, the, the right con- thing to do is. Yeah. yeah, the consequences are his, and the, the truth is, is doing that right now would be, uh, well, potentially – a detriment to his ability to play in the future. If he didn't care, that'd be, I don't know. It'd be, is what it is. This is stuff I'm starting to try to come get to peace, come yeah. to peace with. Cause you, it could be like, ah, oh, you're, you get into like, oh, anytime something's hard, just, just don't deal with it. Quit. Whether it's physically hard or mentally hard or taxing, like, yeah, just, just don't do it then. That's what I'm afraid of. And right. There's the gray area again. Yep. Yeah. So, so well, it sounds like we need to have another episode on this BS with someone who has a has a. You know anybody yeah. who would know more than we do? I mean, I know psychologists that could just talk about the healthy interactions related to anything like this, but I did have somebody. Actually, I think it was my brother. Was like, 
you know, every great athlete usually had a real pain in the ass for a dad pushing him, which is true. Tiger Woods, William Sisters, Mickey Mantle. I don't know if you know this, Lance, but Mickey Mantle's dad encouraged him to be a switch hitter because he felt that the, the league would start the platoon. He was kind of right, but not everyone's a switch hitter. Yeah, so, but all those guys are fucking psychopaths. Mickey, was, Mickey Mantle was a full-blown alky. Tiger Woods, we all know what happened to him. Michael Jordan does not look like a happy person. Was his dad maniacal? Yeah, I might have added that one in. He's just psycho competitive and can't and like doesn't have a way, a place to put it now, right? Yeah, I, I don't know. There's a price to pay for that level of exceptionalism, which could could be an episode, and you just see it time and time again with stories. Yeah, you know anybody that's just though like not resentful? It's they laugh about it now. But they're kind of like, yeah, my dad just sucked. Like I've heard some funny, they, the stories end up being funny. But I had a friend who told me that he's a t- like a really good tennis player and he he stopped in the middle of the match, turned to where his dad was sitting in the crowd and fired off a serve at his dad because his dad wouldn't shut up. That's awesome. And I was like, yeah, I thought it was the funniest, greatest story ever. But it's also like, yeah. That's uh, that's what we're talking about here. Right? I hear about I hear about kids kind of taking back the reins with coaches that yell a lot, and the coaches don't know what to do with it. It's not like they escalate further. They're just like, oh shit, yeah. Kid just bites the coach's head off. The coach has that's, been riding him. That's a tough that's cycle, cool. right? You know, as a coach, like because if you ramp it up, then you're just gonna be in this this like just constant. Who's gonna win that battle, right? Right. Uh, I wonder how those crazy dads are doing later in life. I wonder what's filling their cup. Maybe it is what we're going to talk about this week. Cue the transition, Matt, to close out the intro. Exercise. Maybe they're uh, doing heavy deadlifts, buddy. One-arm curls is what some of these guys are doing, buddy. Yes, sir. One-arm curls with... Some sort of high high alcohol content cocktail. Have you heard the term key systems? What is it? It's a life changer. Have you heard the term key systems? What's it do? It inspires you. Have you heard the term key systems? Where do I get it? Anywhere. Have you heard the term key systems? Who's using it? Everyone, have you heard of Turnkey Systems? Is it online? Yes, it is. Have you heard of Turnkey Systems? Do I wear it? If you must, have you heard of Turnkey Systems? Will my family like it? Indeed. Have you heard of Turnkey Systems? May I touch it? You're not ready. Turnkey, Turnkey. Turnkey Systems. Have you heard of it? Have you heard of it? All right. Welcome to the Middle Age Man News and Trends. Matt, are you ready to give some of your witty, off the cuff humor? I'm hoarse from the intro, so you might have to do the heavy lifting. Oh, damn. Segway. Uh, all right, buddy. First article comes from WebMD. Now, I don't want you to spend a lot of time talking about this person's name. 
Her name is Poonam Sachdev. She's a doctor. Is that Irish? Ignore the name. Uh, we don't need jokes about it. But uh, she recommends exercises we should avoid after the age of 50. Number one, leg extensions. Hurts the kneecap. Back extensions. Uh, risky for your lower back. Behind the neck pull downs. Messes with the shoulders. Jumping exercises. Injury risk. Overhead press. Hard on the rotator cuff. Sprinting is an injury risk, and heavy weights is another injury risk. All things you're supposed to stop or avoid after the age of 50. Matt, we're getting close to 50, buddy. What exercises are you staying away from these days? Man, I love Poonan. Like, not, <laughs> I know it sounds like a sexual joke, but I love this lady giving us license to take it easy. Like, but, but are you still doing behind the neck pull downs? No, because those started hurting in my 30s, honestly. What are you trying to do with those, dude? Trying to get like the Rambo back? Like, you want like a good four feet of back or something? Silhouette what? muscles. Yeah, like <laughs> Sylvester Stallone. Silhouette <laughs> muscles for the for the movie stars. I watched Rocky Four the other the other day. Like, Drago and Rocky, do you think there's any chance that they were juicing during those videos? The, that uh, in 1985, by the way, no, no, uh, no CrossFit. Like, do you think that they might have been jacked up on juice? Oh, 100 percent. Did your dad take you to see Rocky Four? I don't remember. I did see it. I don't remember. I loved it. <laughs> I don't know if we if that was <laughs> one of our episodes. You're talking about the movies your dad took you to. <laughs> That's why I asked. Oh yes. I don't remember if we talked about it. He did take me to uh, Fatal did, Attraction. I don't know if that was alive. That might have been in the, one of our personal sessions. He took you to see Fatal Attraction. Take me to see Jaws at the age of seven. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was one. Uh, Jaws 3. That was in the theater. And then Fatal Attraction was like he let me watch that uh, at home. I wonder if. Like your dad's a military guy back then. I wonder if a military guy seeing Rocky Four gets a little little extra wood, you know, because you have the Cold War backdrop and the speech. Like, I wonder if, because uh, I did. I'm still. I still almost cried the other night when I watched it. The closing speech. It's a good one. Uh, he no, my dad was super annoying, and he's never going to listen to this to know that I'm saying it. But <laughs> any military movie, he would always have to correct. Yeah. yeah, he's like, that is impossible, son. That would never happen. They would never give those orders, son. Uh, yeah, so it's, it's funny. You like watching Rambo too? Like, are you fucking serious, Dad? This isn't real. <laughs> Look exactly. at his lats, dude. Or Top Gun. Top Gun was one you'd shred, and I'm just like, this is such a great movie. Who cares? I agree. You with leave that. it alone. I would like to watch. Rambo, I think it was five, zero, four or five with your dad when he's in like, I don't know, but he basically he's like in a panic and strings up what's essentially a nuclear bomb in the in the in the jungle, like with like his buck knife and uh, like a couple wires. And then he takes off like Dion said, four two forty and gets out of there. Then there's a mushroom cloud. <laughs> and I could just I could I would just love to sit there and argue with your dad. Fuck that. That's real. If it's not real, then how? Then, <laughs> then why is it happening? 
Oh, boy. Matt, you could never string up an actual nuclear bomb with four wires and a buck knife and then outrun it. I don't believe you, sir. Mm-hmm. This thing's gotten off the rails. Sorry, bro. Yeah, who would have thought that Poonam would got us to Rambo? Uh, but but she did. So let's move on. Can right, we? Can I, can I go back to that? Though? Do you do any of these? Like, I'm not doing anything related to the, like, what? Who's so leg extension? You trying to get cut up quads? No, I yeah, won't do any. Of, what, man? I, I sprint, and we'll talk about that later because we have a I have another right. article about that. All right, uh, all right, dude. Some of these articles come from odd places. Uh, this comes from Spoon University via Marissa Goldstein, who's out of Vanderbilt University, uh, so uh, very credible. And this article is why you should stop jogging. Number one, runners munchies. Runner's munchies, study show, moderately intense cardio stimulates appetite. Number two, your body adapts to jogging quickly. Uh, and number three, you might have the aches and pains because of the repetitive pounding on the ground. Four, your daily cardio routine may burn too many calories to maintain muscle. And five, recent studies have shown excessive running, like marathon running, can cause plaque in the heart. Matt. You've mentioned you've lost some booty over the years. Is it because all you do is jog? That's pretty funny. I know that you think that sprinting takes care of everything, even my relationship woes and parenting. So sprinting's supposed to, to add back, right? Jogging loses it. According to this, I'm just going to, if I run, I'm going to get turned into obese. I guess that's why you see so many just crazy fat marathon runners. Marissa. It didn't. It didn't say that. It said plaque, extra plaque in the heart. People people are always shitting on running, though. Like, like it's bad for your joints. It's bad for everything. Have you ever got, like, I don't know if you still run. I know you sprint. If you get in any sort of shape and you run, you feel euphoric, like, every time. And it's like, how could it be that bad for you? You feel amazing. Half the time, you mentally have worked out shit in your head that, that you couldn't do in any other situation. The other time... You're nice and relaxed and you're not, you don't, you're like too relaxed to even deal with the runner's munchies. The only way that works is if someone's just putting shit in your face or, or you're constantly buying bags of shit that you shouldn't. So you have it close. So just don't buy that shit. And you just sit there kind of tired. I don't agree with the runner. I don't get runner's munchies, but I, I, I'll run once a week, but I will say, dude, I did have a friend and I won't mention her name, but she ran every day, like literally every day, and also hit the old booze. And it just, it wasn't an appealing look. It was like, yeah, super skinny with a belly. You put, uh, can you put the IG info in the chat? <laughs> I, I think there's something to be said, though, about your body getting used to jogging and it not really giving what most of us would consider desire desired features but it you gotta i mean you obviously gotta do it with something else but i i also i also get to the point where there's nothing else there's nowhere for me to go with it because i can't get any faster and i and at some point you're just like oh i'm not gonna turn into one of those psychopaths that are doing like ultra running so i'm like all right i did a nine mile nine miles and nine minute miles or something this is it's been a long time since i did that but and then then what because you can't just do that every day right so no you kind of, but now I'm in this endless cycle where I like stop running, 
and then I'll start again. The joy is like building back up to something. And then once that happens and you're just kind of like, all right, what do I do now? So I'm just mixing it in with other, other shit, but all my stuff is cardio. Like I don't do a lot of weight stuff just cause I'm not trying out for the fucking Broncos next year or anything. Why am I lifting weights? That's probably why the booty is, is uh, not quite as tight as what you remember grabbing on to back in high school, Lance. Well, I use three to three to five percent of your muscle every decade, maybe more. You lose. So that's why you got to lift. Yeah. So do you eventually turn into zero? If we live long enough, we're we're just a pile of skin and bones. You lose bone mass too, don't you? Yeah, yeah. You got to fight back by lifting. So I recommend you lift, Matt. Can you? Can how much of that can you stop? You know. Like if you lift, you get it down to one percent. Well, you you're gonna maintain and or build muscle. I think. I mean, you're gonna maintain or build muscle if you lift heavy weight and take and eat protein. It's science, bro. Are you trying to get jacked? Or are you just? I know. I know. Save for the men's room. Anybody that knows me knows I'm a rail. I'm a rail. I don't like the type of food I'd have to eat to gain weight. Would is just not appealing. Dude, I was doing incline press. I ran yesterday, actually. I do an incline press with 20s. <laughs> and I looked at my arms and I was like, they're so non, not there. Like, they don't look bad, but they're so amazingly skinny. Like, if you're in the mirror, like, with your arms up, and right now I'm in, a, I don't know what you call this, like a field goal pose as though I'm pumping a military press or chest press. And, like, my lower arms are amazingly skinny. Like, like I need a, I need like a kid's watch band or something so that the watch isn't sliding up and down my arm. And, uh, I mean, they're, they're tight. Is that, is that from the uh, running atrophy? <laughs> that's, I think that's it's just age, man. You just need to lift a couple times a week. The problem is every time I'm like lifting in a gym, I feel like the pussy in there goes crazy. And I feel like I'm like causing a distraction for everyone. And they see me getting jacked up. I'm sure. I'm sure. For the record, Lance didn't laugh at that. He thought I was serious. I got him, everyone. Yep. Uh, All right, dude. I had enough of you. Let's move on. Last article comes from fitforpurpose.net from Ollie Foxley. That's a great name. Man, we get a lot of good writers with great names. Like, How many articles have we gotten from like Tim, Tim Robinson or something like that? None. I'll cut that out, buddy. Don't worry. Uh, All right. This article is about sprinting, my friend. Something I'm pretty fond of. Try to do at least once a week. Let's talk about the pros of sprinting, according to Ollie. And science. It's time efficient. You can blow yourself up in 20 minutes. You can have a great workout. It builds fast twitch muscle fibers and increases general athleticism. And sprinting promotes anabolic hormones, which keep you lean and cut. Cons of sprinting, uh, it's hard. Uh, Number two con is it doesn't suit, straight from Ollie, it doesn't suit overweight or weak populations because of the force you put on your joints. (sighs) I like you called out weak populations. Yeah, I got a joke for that. And... uh, it's also super intense and prone to injuries if you don't do it right. Matt, 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 here's your prompt. Are you ready? 
Sprinting is my favorite exercise for maintaining my manhood. It's very empowering, Matt. Why are you so slow and white, completely absent of fast twitch muscle fibers? <laughs> oh, that's great. Oh, now, boy. just to look inside the brain, buddy, I can't even think about that because I'm so focused on it doesn't suit overweight and weak populations because of the, the last time I heard that phrase, Berlin, 1929, Nazi <laughs> rhetoric. It doesn't uh, suit overweight and weak populations. I think that's what they built their uh, built their army on, and their rhetoric. Uh, <laughs> according to you, it does not matter if I'm fast or white. Sprinting is good for my body, right? It's the greatest thing. I think this is the trend, though. You were ahead of it, but this is kind of a trend. Sprinting, right? Well, I, I like it. It does. You don't have to do it that much, but I think it also it's it's pretty empowering. So to, to work yourself up, I don't, I would not recommend anybody just like go out and bust it, but like just kind of go half halvesies for a while. But like it does when you get a good, um, it can only be 10 minutes, but it just feels great. Do you get it's like the, what you, you get what you're the meant same, to do? Like, do you get the Sorry. Do you get the same? Like the, what I love about the feeling after a longer run, I, I just, I love it. Like just exhaustion and euphoria like do you get that with sprinting it's different um i don't know i just feel stronger i guess psychologically how long do you run for how long do you sprint for like what's what does that look like i probably do like a half hour so i just I, I basically you sprint uh a certain length and then walk back or uh, and then you know go a certain amount of reps that's how i do it that's pretty intense a half hour i i've tr- i've done it too i just I don't know how to, I don't know how to like, the thing about long running, you can kind of monitor it. Sprinting is like, like you said, when you say you, you can't bust it, you, you never know. Like you always, you were always like, there's probably more. I could probably push a little harder or you never, you never know. Like, or maybe it's because I haven't done enough. You never know when you're like pushing too hard or you're actually not really sprinting. Just I can feel it now where it's like, I just like, it's, this is your last one, buddy. I can feel my legs, my um, my your hamstrings about to like shred. Are you trying to get like that chest pain, like like your burning lungs type thing? Is that good or bad? I'm not. I'm not really having. I don't have any goals with it. I just know that it's if I do it once a week, ideally twice. I just feel good. I feel good. Cons. It's hard. And it and it's uh, but it's uh, so much less taxing on my body than jogging. Is that whatever reason that that concrete pounding? Because if you think of sprinting, it's pretty quick, and then you're walking back to get to the next rep. Where jogging, you're just like this. Uh, the, one of the articles said you're just pounding constantly, right, for a long time. Somebody yesterday who hadn't seen me in a while was like, I don't know. They, we were I we were like in a passing conversation. He was kind of engaged with somebody else, and he held up his finger as if th- this was my body and said <laughs> getting kind of skinny huh something like that and i was like i've never felt better thank you for that all right hello lance uh what's up dude 
I can't tell you this is uh, I'm very excited to connect with an old friend, my friend Andrew Overdahl, a guy that I essentially started stand up with in Denver. And uh, it's like two worlds colliding. My old friend Lance, my old friend Andrew. Uh, so welcome, Andrew. Thanks for doing the show, first of all. Uh, where are you right now, buddy? Thank you for having me. I'm in Denver, Colorado, where I live. All right. Uh, so I just, I think, Lance, what the topic for today is essentially is trying to stay in shape when you're middle age, right? Yes, sir. Right. And neither of you are succeeding. So I don't think uh, <laughs> this, is, this certainly isn't going to be like an advice column by any means. More of a stories of failure. <laughs> <laughs> with Andrew and Lance. Uh, but I do, Andrew, so I would like to, I would like Lance to lead the question because I'm not a good interview, but I want to talk a little bit about where you are in your stand-up career, where I left you, and uh, and how you got into it. Because, you know, there's a lot of guys in, in stand-up, I remember, that cannot stop being funny. They have no off switch, and they really can't communicate like a normal human being. And you were never one of those guys. You were actually, you were just super funny on stage, good stage presence, good joke writer. And even now, we, we just had a, a background talk for 30 minutes. You weren't trying to like force your will of humor. Uh, and I don't know if that's a lack of talent. Yeah. I'm just a uh, wet, wet blanket off, off stage. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. So this is a horribly uh, overused question, but like, so why'd you get into it? Why'd you get into stand up or entertainment? Not being this extroverted jokester so to speak yeah that's true i didn't grow up wanting to be on stage and i was very afraid of speaking in public you know in school when i had to speak in front of everyone i always uh, felt super apprehensive but i had this roommate for a long time named ravi and he was like you're really funny you should do stand-up and i was like i don't think i'd like to do that but he just kept badgering me about it he's like you gotta just try it he's like i think you'd be great at it and he literally like years went by of him just like kind of keep kept prodding me and finally i went and i got a book on how to do stand-up i don't remember the name of the book but oh that is um, awesome it's a book on how to do (laughs) stand-up and i got it And I and I read it and it, it said to like write your jokes on note cards and like practice them in front of your friends and stuff. And I did that. I remember like assembling my friends and roommates on this couch and like delivering my little note card jokes oh, to that them. Sounds like hell. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was insane. It's an insane way to start <laughs> doing stand up. 99% of standups are like, I just went out, got shit faced at the open mic and, you know, stumbled onto the stage. But no, I had this like very creepy preparation. But the one thing it said in the book that was good advice and is what I still pass on to anyone who says that they're interested in doing standup is that you have to just commit to a date and do it. You can't think like, oh, I'll do it when I'm when I'm like ready or I'll do it when I have five minutes of funny jokes. You just have to do it just to like, you know, just jump out of the plane, so to speak. So I was glad that I had a date set up. It was a comedy works, the best comedy club anywhere in downtown Denver. And I was so nervous. I remember I had to do two minutes. I thought I was going to faint. When is this? Like oh two, oh one? This is oh three. This is mid this is May fourteenth, two thousand and three. I was probably there, man. Yeah, you probably you probably were. And uh I did do two minutes and I went out. Uh but they but they went great. And one 
very lucky thing that I had stumbled on was there was currently a massive highway construction project going on at the time. And I had all these jokes about that. And that's what every everyone was mad about that. And it, so it tapped into... Yeah, it was right? T-Rex. And, and it tapped into everyone's <laughs> hatred of that project. And so I kind of just stumbled into this like local bit that, uh, and you, you know, it's a lot of times local bits, they do better because the crowd is like, oh, like this is this is something that we know. And it's, um, so I kind of got lucky with some of my early jokes just hitting particularly well because of uh, of the topic, I would say. But yeah, I met you, Matt, and uh, our other friend, Clint Rains, now known as Harrison Rains. And right. you two had been doing it a little while longer, but you two kind of took me under your wing and helped me out like immensely. You were kind of like, you helped me out not only for the, the shows, but I remember you told whoever it was, Tim O'Shea, the the higher up at the club, like, oh, yeah, check this this guy out. So you two like... Uh, helped me out immensely yeah. in those early I'd like to say it came from a good days. place, but I was just trying to get laid, man. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> First and, throwaway tag in the conversation. Yeah. <laughs> and Andrew, in your comedic journey, when did you start to feel like, I'm good at this, this is going well? I, as I said, I was pretty lucky from the jump because I, I got good laughs in that first set. I will say comedy works makes you feel good, man. Like, yeah, the comedy works is like it's like uh, it's like t-ball. I mean, the crowd was was great, and so I felt pretty good from that from the jump. But uh, it wasn't until I went to some like really terrible dive bar open mics and got a proper like true comedy experience of eating shit that I was like, oh, <laughs> wow, okay. So there's another there's another side for this, but. Um, I felt pretty good about it from the the start based on that very first time, which went well. And then my subsequent few times had gone well too. So I got lucky from the start. I got like a pretty good charge from the beginning. Uh, Cause I do think it's one of those things that if you went up and bombed on your very first time, it'd probably be hard to get back out there and, and do it again, but you can build up a little bit of uh, a charge. So the bomb isn't as bad. Cause you're like, well, just two days ago I was crushing. So right yeah i'll tell you this andrew has a uh besides the jokes he has like a i don't know like a very comfortable stage presence like a, a bit of a wry smile but like a like a childish youthful smile that that's like very engaging so i, I never really he doesn't have like a bad set i don't know if you he's so dark and dreary and in, in normal life but then he gets on stage <laughs> and he's kind of like i don't know do you realize that like do you do you think about that when you're on stage i just remember Harrison or Clint and I were like, this guy's funny. Like, even if you weren't landing jokes, you had, you just had this like presence that was kind of amusing, like, but not in a, in a forced clownish way. That was also some advice I got from our friend, Josh blue comedian, Josh blue, like very early on in my career, he was like, he's like, you should like smile more on stage. He's like, sometimes you look like you're just like pissed up there. And I was like, really? <laughs> Cause I do have like resting, like pissed face. Like a lot of times people, uh, when they see me, they're like, oh, are you mad? And then I'm like, no, I'm just, I'm just sitting here. I'm not mad at all. RPF. Yeah. That was a, a tip from Josh. He's like, just, just smile more on stage and it'll like, it'll, I think it'll translate, you know, better with the vibe. And I think he was right for sure. Yeah. So a great first set and you kept going. How do we get from that to 
you actually have a TV show, you have a performance on the Tonight Show. How do we get to all that? It was kind of, it was a lot of just like grinding it out. Those first few years, I would just do basically any and every show I could to the detriment of friendships and romantic relationships. I just, somebody would be like, hey, you want to come with me to Amarillo? I'll pay you 40 bucks. You'll be gone for four days. I'd be like, yep, when do we leave? And oh, I'm driving and paying for gas. Like I would just do any and, and every show. I had no bar for like quality for shows. I would just be like, whatever. It wasn't until another comic like had to talk to me and he was like, you can't work these shows for terrible pay because you are undermining like the market value. He's like, there's, there's like a market value for a show. And this, these people are paying an, a, like an offensively low amount. You should not do it. They should be paying mm-hmm. us the market value. And it kind of blew my mind. I was like, Oh, I didn't realize there was like a, a kind of baseline value. Cause I was just out there like some kind of <laughs> disgusting vulture, <laughs> just eating the, the carrion more, of shows. More. Yeah. You get, that, so, you get that stage time, stage time, state forced down your throat so much that you're like, well, I, I'm doing the right thing. I'm doing the right yeah, thing. Yeah. And I just felt, you know, it was like just, uh, just getting stronger as a comic, but yeah, just grinding it away and then just linking up with some collaborators, my buddies, Adam and Ben, who we ended up forming this comedy group called the Grolics with, and that we started making uh, web videos back when that was a thing where people would make like sketches and web series. And we made a web series. It was just kind of a labor of love that we made with our friends, the Knicks brothers. And then that led to like an actual TV show called those who can on true TV. So it was all like, if you were to zoom back out of it, you would see like a ton of little, baby steps that led up there mm-hmm. but uh getting on the tonight show was also just a weird case of the guy who booked the tonight show found my album my album was out on like a burrito restaurants record label here in denver it was not like a widespread <laughs> thing but um luckily it had just spread through word of mouth my very first album and it had made some top 10 list in new york city and the booker from that looked at that top 10 list listened to my album and booked me on the tonight show off that. So you never really know when you're doing stuff at the moment, you might think like, Oh, nobody's really listening to this or no one cares about this effort, but you truly don't know like where it could end up and where it will go, will go. So uh, just doing it is, is worthwhile. And in my opinion, was that, who was the host when you were on there? Was that, (laughs) it wasn't that long ago. Uh, Jimmy Fallon. (laughs) Oh, okay. No, I don't, I don't know. I just, uh, Johnny Carson. It was, no, it, was, it was Johnny. Yeah. It was Johnny Carson. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I don't Jimmy accept Car- the Jimmy Fallon Tonight Show as a real Tonight Show spot. Uh, no, only Steve Allen is, is yeah. the Steve Allen I consider <laughs> legit. Uh, now, now, did you have any uh, depression after reaching some of these uh, milestones? Like you got a TV show where you now you you reach these points. Was it like ah, oh, I made it, or are you here a lot when people? hit, hit these success points that they get a little down. Yeah, for sure. You do like, like you do kind of feel lost sometimes when I was making the TV show, I was honestly so busy and exhausted. I didn't really feel the same emotional ride just because of the level of involvement that it, it took. But after the TV show, yeah, for sure. I felt that kind of, um, that kind of slump and that depression, 
Uh, I think that's a big part of being in any kind of entertainment career mm -hmm. is these like highs and lows and everything that, that goes with that. But yeah, it definitely, I definitely had some, some lows after the highs. I think that they just naturally cor correspond with each other. Yeah. 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 Is to, to follow up on Lance's question, the, you know, I guess you got, you said you had the show was essentially three seasons, like, I don't know. You don't have to talk about this, but like, how does it end? Like, is that a kick to the balls? Like, does it end because the contract was fulfilled or is there like a, a meeting where someone goes, we're not picking you up again? Or like, what, how did it end? So every season, well, actually, no, the second season they ordered while we were still making the first season, which was lucky because then we had no suspense. But then the third season, they made us wait quite a bit. There was a lot of like back and forth, like, are we going to do this? And so we were kind of like, uh, like left in limbo. And that's a terrible place to be because it's hard to get other work because you're still technically under contract with your TV show, but you're not doing it and it keeps getting pushed back. And there's all these like rumors of like, doesn't look good, maybe. And, and you're on these calls and it's basically like a big coordinated kind of like pep rally sales pitch where you're like, let's do it. Let's make another show. We're, <laughs> you know, we're going to do it and it's going to be better than ever. And, uh, you, you know, and so we got a third season and then after the third season, there was also a period of limbo and we were waiting and we were, um, you know, just hearing the rumors, and everything. And there was this, there was this like merger between time Warner and AT&T that was ha happening. And that's, part of why we were left in limbo because they were like we don't know the fate of a lot of uh, stuff you know after this merger and like a lot of people i thought this merger was stupid because i think syncing up a, a an entertainment platform like time warner with a idiot phone company like at&t doesn't do anyone any good um like anyone not who's bitter. ever not anyone who's just ever saying, experienced at and has never been like i wish these people made television and movies uh <laughs> <laughs> like that's never happened. And so Adam and I were on a podcast in Kansas City, Missouri, and uh, just doing this podcast, just joking around and riffing. And we were kind of talking about the, the show being in limbo. And I was like making fun of the merger. And as was Adam, we were just kind of like, I don't, I don't remember what I said, but it wasn't like complimentary, the idea of this merger or whatever. And somehow the execs at this network found that podcast and heard it. I don't know if they have like interns where they're like, find every single wow. thing that these people are talking about there. They found that podcast, they listened to it and we had a meeting and they like, they were like, it sounds like you don't want to work together with us anymore because of what you said on that podcast. And we were like, what? Holy shit. First of all, I was blown away that they'd found this podcast, like, and that they listened to it and, and, and heard that. But it was also, it was like, it has nothing to do with working with you. We were making fun of this like merger with AT&T, which we like, I mean, I guess technically, yeah, I shouldn't be like bad mouthing uh, a business partnership uh, like that. But it, but it's also like, I'm, I'm not an employee of Time Warner or AT&T. Like I should be able to talk about either of those companies, you know, in a yeah. candid, in a candid way. But I guess they were like, they had other reasons too, but like they they were like really upset about that. But it was it was very illuminating of like, oh wow, you would think that like people making television, they live in Manhattan, you know, they they have all these projects and they're still somehow like 
finding and listening to this like Kansas City podcast to like <laughs> to hear you badmouth a merger with AT and T. It was very it was very strange, um, but ultimately, yeah, they just were basically like, we're not going to do a, a third season of, of the show, um, and it wasn't just because we talked shit about the merger, but it was among their reasons, and so that was. Uh-huh very haunting because it was like oh no did like i ruin the show and i was like if they scrapped the show because i was making jokes about a merger with at&t then then i'm fine with it because that's like (laughs) at no point was i like i hate making tv with these people or or anything (laughs) like that like we we did everything that we were supposed to do there's a joke about marriage in there somewhere like about just stupid comments that blow up to to way bigger than they need to be uh well, at least, thank God Adam was there. At least you didn't have to take on the, the fault all by yourself, right? He was he was doing the, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the podcast. And Adam had, Adam had made jokes on another podcast that they also referenced. So they were, they've really been listening to our presence on podcasts. So, you know, if you're still listening, execs of True TV, if you're still following my podcast career, I hope you enjoy Seniors 94 uh, <laughs> as I can relate <laughs> this, uh, this story. <laughs> um, so... For folks that sit outside the entertainment industry, you reached uh, a level of success that they probably couldn't understand. And now you're in Lakewood, Colorado, and that probably maybe doesn't make sense to them. So how do you get from that entertainment success? And again, I'm speaking from a layperson's perspective to where you're at now, which by the way, I'm not saying you're not doing great, buddy. You look like you're doing great. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so how do we go from there to, to where we're at now? By the way, are you in Lakewood? I know you. No, were I I live in Denver now. I I. Was oh, you moved to Wash Park. Yeah, Lakewood was yeah was boring. I, is what I was in yeah, yeah. Lakewood, but yeah, now I'm in now I'm in okay. Denver. But okay, so you're doing uh, better. So yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm moving <laughs> up. So I was I was living in Los Angeles uh, after working on the shows. Living in Culver City in Los Angeles, great neighborhood. Had an awesome awesome house. Um, and my ex, I'm, I'm divorced and my ex had moved out there with my daughter. They lived nearby. It was great, but, uh, no surprise. It was incredibly expensive. Culver, LA in general, pretty expensive place, but Culver city being over on that West side was especially expensive. And so my ex didn't want to live in LA anymore. She wanted to move somewhere else. And I did not want to move somewhere else. Cause I was like, this is like where my career is. And so mm-hmm. there was just kind of a lot of like back and forth of where, you know, what our solutions could look like. Cause we have, we have like 50, 50 custody of my daughter and, you know, I want my time with her and my ex wants her time with her. So, um, you know, neither one of us wanted to give that up. So we basically had an ongoing discussion of where we could live that would work out best for everyone. And so there's just a, a whole bunch of cities we went through and we ended up landing back on Denver because it was kind of like the common denominator where like my folks live here and my ex's folks live here. And we, we knew it well. I obviously I was born raised here. So uh, that's why we ended up on Denver and I was able to take you know, money from the show and like buy a house. Uh, that's when I lived in Lakewood. I bought a house in Lakewood. And, um, so yeah, it it was and and then when the pandemic hit, it felt kind of risky at first. And then the pandemic hit and everything became like remote anyway. And it became a new world where like just joining people 
remotely like we're doing right now became a very normal thing. So it didn't feel as like awkward uh, through through the pandemic because it initially did. But um, I do wish I'd been able to stay in LA. I liked living in LA and I, and I think uh, I would definitely have more opp- opportunities there, but I'm still working on projects from here. It's a, it mm-hmm. is like a new landscape where you can kind of work on stuff from anywhere. So uh, yeah, the, that move was, nece- was necessitated mainly just for like child and custody uh, issues more than any, more than anything else. If I had it my way, I would not have moved back to Denver. If anything, I would have moved to like Seattle or Portland, Oregon, something like that. Just remember, people are listening, Andrew. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Denver, eat my ass. How about that? Uh... <laughs> no, but it's good to hear. I just think because we could get lost and folks could get lost in the TV show, The Tonight Show, all this stuff. And that, you know, there's life going on behind the scenes. Right now, there's like a real middle-aged man with a daughter who's got all the same probably issues that Matt and I have with our kids. And you have the ex. You have all this stuff that I think our show um, is interested in exploring. So it's yeah. uh, I'm also unemployed, so it, it really couldn't be worse. Bring it, Andrew. <laughs> bring, that, that's great. I know. He could, we could do a 10-series a uh, episode. On... <laughs> Dude, I remember... <laughs> I think I remember when you, I think you guys were, they, I don't, was it Amazon? You guys were with somebody else first or something. They put out like a feeler or there was like a contest for your show or something like that. Yeah. We, we made the show first for this Amazon contest. We made it in Denver. We called in favors. We made it for a budget of like 50 grand, which in the world of TV sitcoms is like not even, it's, that's nothing. And, uh, yeah, we made it for Amazon and it ended up not winning the contest, uh, which we found out later was like not even a, I don't want to get into the behind the scenes, but it was not, it was <laughs> not, not a really contest. a contest at, uh, anyway, but we, we did not win the contest. Uh, but luckily just having that exposure is what led to that, that true TV. Again, that's another like baby step on that thing where you, you might think of it as a failure at the time. Like, oh no, we didn't, we made it. An episode for Amazon and it didn't go anywhere. No, but years later, someone saw it and then, you know, we we got in the back door at True TV that way. So yeah, yeah, we did we did make an episode in Denver. But I remember, I think we had a conversation. I was still talking to you and you guys. I don't know if I had moved yet, but you said something like, "If this actually works out, I it's like you pulled the biggest uh, like." You, Cause you said something like, I, "I'm you're like you're if, if I I believe you're a high school dropout, right? Do you go to Heritage or Rappo or something? Yeah, like Heritage, Dan Littleton. Yeah, to Heritage. That's where my son yeah. goes, man. That's cool. Oh yeah, nice. yeah. So you should tell Lance why his son should follow in your footsteps, drop out, <laughs> and uh, and then maybe he'll get on the Tonight Show twenty years later. <laughs> no, well, first but, of all, I didn't drop out. I got kicked out. Uh, oh, big that's better. That's cooler. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, but you, the conversation was like, if I can pull this off, I fucking, it's like double birds to the world. You were like, I, I did it. What everyone said that you can't, you can't go along this path. And I, and I, and I got out and I, I, I don't know. Well, it was something the, like that. Career in the arts is maybe the only place where you can uh, hmm. get away with that. But, um, uh, coffee barista. Yeah. 
Yeah. If I would give any advice, my, my daughter is also in high school and my advice would be to just stay in school and do <laughs> well and finish it. It's really not, not, not that, that hard, hard, right? Yeah. I was, yeah, I was a very bad teenager, very, very naughty kid. So, um, uh, yeah, my advice is to, to stay in school, get, get an education, doing comedy is great. Making movies is great making music is great. All these things are great, but they, you could talk to anyone in the entertainment world and they'll tell you that it's a very feast or famine uh, occupation. And in our new world of all this like AI horseshit that's out there, it, a lot of these industries can like evaporate overnight. It's like, you could be a commercial illustrator and suddenly there will be zero market for human illustrators and same with like music and writing and, there's so many like fields that can just be replaced by this trash. Um, uh, AI Lance, I think now's the time to tell them, right? You're not talking to us right now, Andrew. You're talking to robots. Well, I'm getting actually, deep. I'm getting deep faked. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm on deep fake the podcast. <laughs> I was gonna just do a hard transition into uh, our physical fitness because I didn't want Matt to get caught up on the AI jokes, but I wasn't fast enough. Uh, so, so we want to talk a little bit about keeping fit in middle age and. Andrew, you're in Wash Park, and for folks that aren't in Colorado, Wash Park is a place where if if you're in it's middle the, the middle it's age, the park. yeah, and you go jog or walk, you you can feel pretty shitty about yourself pretty quickly. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that too. <laughs> so and for those of you listening, Matt's giving us kind of a weird tour tour of his arms. It, I don't know if it's supposed to be like a muscle tour, but it's I'll also show you what forty seven <laughs> could be if you gave a shit about yourself. <laughs> Uh, yeah, um, my AI robot is jacked. But yeah, <laughs> you put in the prompt, jacked Conti. Um, yeah, I uh, I've been struggling a lot with getting into shape. I definitely slid uh, throughout the pandemic. I just uh, I was very lucky for most of my life. I just had like a uh, that hummingbird metabolism where I just like could eat anything I wanted and just generally um managed weight and then yeah as soon as i as soon as i hit the 40s my 40s that metabolism slowed way down to where i'd be like i would drink like an one extra beer and i'd be like i can like literally see the, the <laughs> extra <laughs> beer gut from that but yeah i've been battling that for sure which is why i wanted to chat about that with you guys two studs uh, <laughs> sir so what are you doing what are you doing to battle it well uh, not a lot i'm doing <laughs> are you still a cyclist I, I was saying earlier when i when we were hanging out back 20 years ago you were a pretty ab you were on no, your bike that's, like, all the time yeah the, i would say the best shape i've been in my life there's two instances one was when i was working as a bike messenger in denver I was riding my bike all day, every day. I got around on my bike, even like recreationally. I was in great, great shape then, for sure. Um, Weren't you one of those fixed gear tools too? Like all in? Math, what's that? Fixed gear. Weren't you like a fixed gear tool too, one of those guys? No, like, I had a fixed gear bike, but that wasn't like my number one bike of choice. Yeah, yeah. I, but just I rode admit like it, a dude. Admit it, cool bro. like nine speed yeah. city bike. Um, but uh, 
the second best shape I was in my life was post divorce. I got really into yoga. I was doing yoga every single day. Uh, I had this like membership at this place and I was just doing yoga out the butt. And so I was in great shape then too. Those are probably the two times in my life where I was in like the best shape. And then, uh, yeah, I definitely slid on riding my bike. Um, uh, I still do ride my bike, but uh, currently it needs a, a, a tune up and it's one of those things that just, you just keep like putting it off and putting it off. And it's like, dude, it's been like eight months since you realized <laughs> you, your bike needs a, a derailleur adjustment or whatever. Um, and I, I'll do a bit of running. I like to run with my dogs, but again, I, I kind of fell off with that. So I've just been trying to get back into it now at 47, all my joints are starting to like hurt just with no for doing nothing like i'll just be like oh man my my elbows and my knees are, are feeling sore so um yeah i've just been i've been working out at the rec center doing the elliptical and the uh the stationary bike i do the sit down stationary bike so it looks like i'm getting ready for like a paddle boat tournament or something <laughs> you know the, <laughs> the yeah. bike that you just sit on but oh the, yeah the low one for people with prostate issues yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah. But I've been trying to like take those baby steps in there because also I've had an issue where I try to, I'll just try to cannonball back into working out and I'll like hurt something and then I get mm. sidelined for a while and then it's hard to get back into it there. So I'm really taking it like old person, one step at a time uh getting in shape but man it is rough it is rough being when you were walking around the gym and you see yourself in the mirror and you're like i am the worst person here <laughs> <laughs> what's your core motivator what's your core are you trying to get back out on the scene you trying to are you dating like, no what? i'm not dating um, um but i i don't know i should be uh it's mainly because i just but don't fat is better for stand-up though right Slightly overweight <laughs> is better than like ripped. Like, have you found that your your laughs per minute go up uh, proportionally per pound? Of you get a little chubby. Yeah. You get a little chubby. <laughs> I think the main motivator is just like general health. My doctor yeah. told me that there's a study, this new study that came out that said that 30 minutes of exercise um, is twice as good for you as smoking is bad for you. We all know how bad smoking is for you. It's very bad for you in terms of the overall health. Just 30 minutes of exercise a day is double the positive benefit as smoking is bad for you, which was kind of sobering because I was like, wow, that's that's quite a bit because you know smoking is pretty terrible for you. So right. uh, Dude, also it's like- are not anti-motivational in my opinion. Cause it, it, yeah. it get, like, it's just like that fucking sit down prostate bike. It's like, oh, I can, oh, so 30 minutes a day is enough is what I hear. And then everyone's like, the next step after the sit down bike is like, I'm gonna take my walk. And then you have a, a walk, which is like a noun. I take my walk. That's like <laughs> worse than the sit down bike. So that 30 minutes a day is not, I think it's an anti-motivational thing actually. Cause it just tells you like, I don't need to be the cyclist. I was in 03. I can sit down on that, that fucking oh, bike. Oh, I see, I see what you mean. Mm -hmm. yeah. For 30 minutes well, for me, and I'm, I just and I'm need, winning. I just need the baby. And so at this point it's like, if it's just 30 minutes a day, then yeah, start there and then, uh, you know, build, build back into it. But I, I can definitely, I could definitely see, uh, see what you mean there. But it's also just an issue of like, as now, 
going into the uh, last phase of my life. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> like, oh, wow. It's just True. that, it's just that, uh, that last level phase. of fitness and flexibility just to be like uh i i never i'll never forget this i was i was in denver outside this restaurant called sushi den it's great denver restaurant Mm -hmm. um and i was hanging out and this older woman she was like a grandma was walking outside with her granddaughter and she tripped on the curb and she fell and she was so inflexible as this old person she landed uh, on her fingers and broke two of them backwards. They were just like, it was Damn. just like <laughs> like broken branches or something. She's like screaming. She's like sitting on the curb and her fingers were broken backwards. And I was just like watching in horror. I was like, we called 911. It was just this like a terrible scene from an innocent little trip. <laughs> but that like stuck yeah. in my brain. I was like, she did that because she didn't have any like flexibility. She didn't have even like a, like you should be able to trip on a curb and whatever it takes, roll into it, you know, mm-hmm. uh, take it on a forearm or something. But uh, she took it like stiff fingers straight down into the concrete. And and so that just like was like just a sobering thing of like, dude, your ass is going to be like that because you're already <laughs> stiff as shit. You're like <laughs> you're you're very rigid and, and flexible and you're going to be an old dude and you're going to slip and fall and you're going to bust. You're gonna bust all your shit up. So yeah. that's another the paramedic reason why showed up, and Andrew is like doing down dog, scared yeah. straight. They're like, "Why is this guy?" I'm You're doing. Like, it starts now. It starts now. I don't want to be like her. It's like, so, but, yeah. But can you yeah. avoid that though? Like, can we? Uh, can we avoid that? Yeah, I think you could be an old person that that does that can battle roll out of a fall. Even if it's like Zumba or what or yoga or whatever your old person exercises. Uh, I guess it's not Zumba. What am I thinking of? Aqua aerobics. I don't Jazzer, know. Jazzercise. Jazzercise. If it's if it's something uh, movement, uh, right? Movement. That you can be doing. I feel like it's it's good for you. You know, it adds to your quality of life. So you have a routine now? No, I'm just I'm just getting back. I was at the gym last night. I did. I went to the gym last night because I knew I was doing your show today, and I was like, I should go to the gym tonight. Uh, okay. Yeah. But I'm, yeah, I'm trying to get back and do it. I, I've i got an annual membership at the Wash Park Rec Center. I paid for it up front. So I've got it for at least a year. I've got no excuse to not be in there. It's a great gym. It's uh-huh. never very crowded. It's, it's It used to be. When back in my day, it was always crowded. Is that right on in Wash Park? Yeah, but it's yeah. different because now there's so many transplants that have moved to Denver that are rich. I think they're all going to yeah. like some stupid $50 Orange a month theory. gym. Yeah. yeah, and it's considered like beneath them to go to the Wash Park Rec Center. So <laughs> their it. loss is my gain. Yes, sir. All right. So we were reading, Matt and I do a little news segment on this show. We were reading how uh, cardio is like jogging traditional jogging, elliptical type stuff is not the most optimal training. So are you planning to do that kind of stuff and then move into some heavy strength training, maybe some sprinting? I knew some it things that up. I knew it would come up. Lance has a passion <laughs> for sprints. He's like a Billy Graham evangelist trying to Man, get the I world can't to do sprint sprints. anymore. I've lost that gear. It's so sad. My kid my daughter plays ultimate frisbee and so we'll play 
frisbee sometimes and i used to be able to you know shift into that like fifth gear and actually like sprint and i i just don't have it i well, i don't happens? know if i can get a what's like pain? that like what happens is it no pain i just, just like that out of shape i'm just like oh i just can't oh, yeah, yeah. i just can't run that fast i don't have that that extra gear and i don't know if you can get it back or what but you can uh, get it back when it gets yes, warmer, sir. I'll be running Wash Park like a motherfucker because that's my favorite park to run anyway. And uh, to me, it's perfect because at about a 10-minute mile, which is my pace, it's like a 30-minute run. So uh, it's a great I – I never feel like I'm like overdoing it or anything, but – um, well, the sprinting was a joke, but the they do the, – the doctors do say the strength training – piece of it is so important as you get older because you're 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 maintaining bone density yeah you're you know you're losing muscle every decade i should uh i i, I will do that i was doing that i had a planet fitness membership when i lived in lakewood and i would do a bit of uh weights and stuff i need to get back in it the issue with that is i don't even know what i'm doing i don't know like what to be like work i just do i, I guess I, i'm like i guess i'll do my arms and my chest and my back and Another day, I guess I'll do my legs here, but I don't know, like comprehensively, like, am I completely ignoring a muscle group that I should be doing? I, I have no idea. I've never, I, I have no guidance when I'm in there. I don't have like a workout buddy that knows this shit. So I'm in there by myself, just like, hmm, interesting machine. I got, for all I know, I'm not even doing it right. I'm like, I'm like on a thigh machine with my elbows or something. I don't know. I don't know what, what's yeah. happening, but that's why you need See to what happens. Dating. Yeah. yeah. So a woman can I tell to... you like, Landry, your calves are like <laughs> drying me up. They're so disgusting. Then you'll know I... which body parts you're not, you're not working correctly. <laughs> so that's why you need to start I try dating to again. Do more like body exercises like like push-ups is a great exercise uh you know because a proper push-up you're utilizing yeah. your core and and everything and you know things like that that are harder to yeah maybe maybe screw up dumbbell exercises push-ups sit-ups pull-ups that kind of thing um i i tend to have more success with yeah, yeah, yeah i used yeah. to do i used to run the wash park and i would uh stop at the pull-up thing as i would run by and i would do pull-ups which is a pretty good like combo also but yes sir now are you more vo motivated running at a place like wash park because i mean that place I, I assume it's still uh littered with hotties it's uh, yeah it's definitely a hot runner spot it's i it's my favorite because i don't run on concrete because i like my ankles and hips the mm -hmm. way they are so i don't i like running on dirt and and gravel and trails and stuff. So they've got that great exterior path. Um, that's great for running. And I, you know, I don't mind, I don't care if, you know, the, the hotness caliber of the other people running, I look like a monster when I'm running, no matter what, like there's no <laughs> world, like, you just hear this like ragged breathing behind you like and there's just this like gray skinned like animal uh like trudging behind you uh i'm 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 horrible i'm i'm horrible running no matter what i just i just put it out of my head and i i've made peace with it a, a long time ago um you ever go yeah are you ever at the gym or you run and you see someone who looks just like you and you realize like oh i look terrible that happens to me a lot too where i'll be like 
oh no, this guy, this is what I look like at the gym. I'll see like a little guy. He's like in his forties. He's like, he's, he's sweating in that way where if you saw him on the street, you would call like nine one one. And I'm like, oh no, that's how, that's how I look. That's like the the gyms have mirrors all around. And so you're like looking at an image. You're like, look at that piece of shit. Oh wait, that's me. Mm -hmm. That's just a different Mm -hmm. angle. Whoops. Yeah. But, From behind. Yep. So do you find the, the motivations harder, like, because of your age or just, I mean, I I always think getting back into working out is a lot harder than actually working out. Yeah, I think it's just the life habits of like, dude, you got to carve out that time of your day and you just got to do it. You can't procrastinate it. Mm-hmm. It should be like a fixed thing, not a, not a objective or like a, an option. You got to make it like yeah, a fixed thing. Yeah, and don't, your, don't think of it as a hobby. Think of it as like part of your life, like... And when it's warmer, I'll do more stuff. Um, I think it's easier, you know, when it's nice and warm outside, you can just do more like physical activities in general, like hike and stuff like that. But when it's cold out, man, it's brutal. But luckily I've got these two Huskies. I don't know if they're, or one of them's right behind me, but. Um, they hate our podcast. They hate, yeah, yeah they hate yeah. the show, but they require a lot of exercise. So I'm like, I'm definitely walking a mile or two every day, no matter what. So there's a little baseline there. Um, uh, walking is better than nothing, but uh, but it's I like running with them because then they're actually like getting their exercise. So yeah, what's your eating like? My eating is generally pretty good. Walk me through what kind of foods. Uh, it's pretty varied, I guess. I would say that eating shitty is my only vice though. Like I will every now and then, you know, I'll have in and out, I'll have a cheeseburger, I'll have some pizza, something like that. But, um, disgusting. I usually, what's that? Wow. (laughs) Disgusting, Andrew. Disgusting. Yeah. It's my only vice. I quit drinking and I don't do any (laughs) drugs. So a little junk food is my, I uh, thought you were vegan actually. Is that what I was? Forever ago, but that was before you and I met, I think. Oh, all right. Well, I knew about it. I was definitely so- not a vegan comedian, or you would have heard about it on stage, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I was vegan for a while and vegetarian for a very long time, but now I'm uh, omnivore. I eat all kinds of stuff, but I try to eat pretty balanced and just make like those little smart choices, you know, like I'll have turkey breakfast sausage instead of pork breakfast sausage, those little things like that. But um, I usually have like just like eggs, turkey sausage for breakfast or some like yogurt and uh, and like oats, things like that. Um, I eat a good amount of salads. I'll usually have like a salad for a meal a day uh, and then for dinner. No, salad's no. bad. This is bullshit. <laughs> This is bullshit. Salads no, are like good. Sal- having a big salad is great. Um <laughs> But what do you, so it sounds like you eat pretty healthy, but earlier, I don't know if it was while we were recording or not, you, you feel like you're like 30 pounds overweight, which I don't see. No, I am. I step on the scale and I, and I see it. Well, how, how, how much? How tall are you? Let's get some numbers out. I'm 5'7", uh, like 176 pounds. But yeah. through most, pretty much all my adult life, I weighed 155 pounds. All right. So okay. why the 20, 20, it sounds like you don't eat that bad. You at least walk your dogs. What happened? Why are you 21 pounds over your, your plane My weight? metabolism slowed down and it just, yeah, just not my what physical age? activity. When, when did you see that? When do you think it started? 
it, during the pandemic is when I gained the weight because I just wasn't doing. I just I think my activity level fell a bit, and uh, yeah, I don't okay. know. Blaming the pandemic, huh? Yep. Yep. What else, <laughs> what else are you blaming on that, huh? Yeah. <laughs> but I definitely don't have like a diet plan or like any kind of like nutritionist. It's I definitely kind of wing it in terms of like, yeah, I guess this seems like a good meal, but I'm not like examining the calories or, or carbohydrates in, right. in anything. So I would not call my eating like informed necessarily, but uh, I, I, I'm making an effort from what I do know. Like I know that eating raw vegetables is good. I try to, you know, I'm eating, trying to eat those for at least a meal a day. Are you worried Are you, about this? Sorry, Lance. Yeah. Are no, you like you're worried about it? Because you said you like want to talk about, it, but it sounds like you're all right. But are you worried about it? Are you like, I see the future in this twenty pounds. I'm going to be that old lady who who cracks like a dry branch. Or are you? Well, just, I like, just starting. I can't get rid of it because it's belly fat, and belly fat is uh, famously the hardest to get rid of. Um, and it also like belly fat is a big indicator of like other health issues, uh, mm -hmm. like heart disease, things like that. It's like, it's not a good thing to have, uh, uh, belly fat. So it's like, I want to, I want to get rid of it and, and like tune, tune myself up. It's not like a, a worry, a current worry in as much as it is like a, it's like a nagging problem that I'm like, I, I want to get rid of this and I want to get back on on track even if it takes more maintenance because my metabolism is not picking up the slack i want to i want to elevate uh my fitness back up to a, a better level for sure mm -hmm. what do you two do let me turn it back around on you <laughs> no, no turn it around uh, it's not how this show uh, works lance, i don't know but lance i'll tell you from the head and shoulders looks pretty fit uh who knows what is below the, sh the shoulder level and matt you always seem like you're in pretty good shape um you want me to get back into the poses? You got a, uh, you got kind of like a uh, a high school tight end build. Uh, oh yeah. Well, I'll tell you this. I'll go first, Lance. Believe it or not. Yeah. So, I think for me, I actually don't find that we change that much at this age. What what I'm finding though is like the startup is harder to get it going. It, it once you're in the process of doing something you like or working out and eating healthy, it's pretty easy at this age. But I do think the startup is harder. And that's why you see a lot of people at our age start to do shit like triathl triathlons and shit because they like they either like look like they're from Oshkosh, Wisconsin, and they're 400 pounds and know how to cook a good brat. Or people are like jacked at this age, it seems like, because it's like all or nothing. <laughs> Those so, are your two choices. Yeah, that's it. They're either like, because it's hard to start up. So you got to like maintain. So people go like psycho maintaining, you know? And so... But what I've just found is like, if you, if you really like to do something like, so my two vices are playing hoops. I play hoops with like, I played last night for two hours with a bunch of kids that are between 18 and well, was all the way up to our age, but like a bunch nice. of kids. That's, basically. that's very good exercise. Basketball is yeah. fucking yeah. exhausting. So it's... all my exercise, basketball and surfing. And so none of it feels, I, I like to run too, but I do it like maybe once a week, but none of it feels like exercise. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. Cause fun. those are like activities. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's my what I'm into is and then I'm trying to as a separated man living living in this apartment. Uh, it turns out that 
eating healthy down here at least because you have so much access to vegetables and fruit means eating affordably so in yeah. my effort to eat affordably <laughs> like right before the show i just went to this fruit stand in my house and bought a shitload of green stuff for like four dollars like a like a pile that's like gigantic bigger than your gut andrew for four dollars wow. and i'm uh, <laughs> just kidding i can't see his gut listeners but but uh yeah so i try to eat healthy but not but not try to eat healthy if that makes sense like i'm not doing some stupid diet or anything i'm just buying what's available and eating it and then trying to do shit that i like am i and i don't really have a motivation i just like playing hoops i like surfing so i'm interested yeah, to hear what Lance's maybe get into some is. pickup basketball i mean i'm terrible at it yeah, but yeah, that'd yeah be but good who cares exercise. dude who fucking cares there's some there used to be good games down at wash park some i played with lance down there in 01 oh yeah back in the day wow yeah uh dude i'm pretty rigid i'm i'm, well, yeah, I'm but very what's your motivation rigid. dude uh, I mental health, like I have to do it every day and it just, uh, it's something I've, uh, built in as a habit. So I do it every day, all kinds of stuff, but mostly like lifting and, and sprinting. I don't, yeah. Hardcore shit. Have you ever got off the rails? Or like, have you been that way? I mean, I haven't seen you in person that much in the last decade, but like, I've never seen you not in shape. Probably the least in shape we were was in high school, right? We thought we had to be yeah. big to be fucking football players. So. I'm the dickhead who you go on an all-inclusive vacation, exercises more when (laughs) you're on that vacation. So I'm the guy, because you're feeling guilty about what you're eating. So it's just, there's never been a point where I didn't exercise. uh, I've had two knee surgeries and within like four or five days, I'm like grinding that that leg. I'm doing squats within a month. You know, it's just, uh, it's, it's an anxiety thing. So it gets me going and I'm not saying that that's healthy either because there have been times where, so for about six months, I, I thought I was having panic attacks, but what I ultimately was doing was I, I wasn't uh, recognizing that I needed to stop working out. So my neck was so sore that I, it was hard to hold it up. And I, and I just go back into the gym and fucking fire up overhead <laughs> press, behind the neck pull downs and expect that that oh, i just need to loosen it up and it just i would do it literally every day so that gives you a sense of my personality but now obviously i have 40 48 more tame uh just try to get 30 minutes a day of something but it's, it's very rigid yeah so- it is good it is very good for my mental health that is something that i should be uh also kind of uh re- recognizing i always feel better like mentally and emotionally if i'm getting my regular exercise absolutely like night night and day different for sure do you ever you ever feel like creatively either you like the my only issue is like the the feeling that i get from working out is like so euphoric i actually become more fucking lazy because i'm almost like i don't need anything else (laughs) like like you just kind of feel relaxed and happy then i'm like yeah i don't really need to I don't have this drive to do to be successful in any other areas of my life. It's like somebody the other day told me I might I think I talked about this. Someone told me I look too skinny. And I was like, I don't need anything else in my life. (laughs) Somebody I was like, that's it. I'm done. I'm done. Pinnacle achieved. (laughs) Exactly. But I I, too skinny. Yeah, but there's a there's a uh, there's a mix where like, well, you've probably, Lance, you've probably gone overboard where it's taken over your life. Not now, but probably at phases of your life. 
but I just, if I go run every day, I'm, I'm almost more useless, but mentally happier. Like, it's like, that's it. I accomplished something. Let me go eat my black rice and fish and nice. six kilos. That's the other greens. problem is a lot of times if I, if I, when I'm working out, then I get so hungry that I'll like eat a lot of stuff. And I'm like, I think I'm undoing the benefit of this exercise. Cause I'll, I'll have like two dinners cause I'm just really hungry. And <laughs> so that's not, that's not great. Runners munchies. Yep. Yep. <laughs> that's right. But that, that also chills after if you, if you, st- if you do it for a while, it kind of calms down a little bit. I think your yeah, body it like, gets a little better. That, that's what I like about running is that it is always hard for me. Other exercise I can kind of get in to the groove of it and it becomes not very difficult, whether it's like cycling or, or yoga or something like that. But with running, it's always hard at no, no point in my <laughs> running career has it ever been like this, this feels easy. Like it's always ha- hard for me. And so that's kind of like, like how, it. like, uh, like you're sucking wind or like your body sore, like what's, or mentally you just like, can't, just I, I the like, stop. Yeah, it's 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 kind of like everything. It's just like the effort of like doing it and just maintaining a pace and everything. I I definitely get into to shape enough where I can like run and talk. I had a running buddy for a while and we would just like talk the whole time we ran. So I could get to a point where uh, I was doing okay in terms of the mm-hmm. like the fitness level of it, but it's still like just difficult to you know keep that 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 pace up and. I did. I guess I just never felt like I'd plateaued doing it where it was like, oh, I guess I need to like run longer or something. I always felt like like a 5K amount of running was like good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did, did you have an easier time? Like you, you keep you mentioned the weather a few times. It's one nice thing about being down here is no, it's it's always nice. Like, did, did you find that when you were living in L.A. that that climate helped be, made you healthier? I was a too stressful yeah, for sure. Work I was outside. I'd ride my bike to the beach all the time. I um, I would just be like, just more active in general. Here with the when it's cold and windy and and it just like ah, being outside sucks. But I mean, I shouldn't be complaining this winter because it's so mild that we were literally having like seventy degrees in December. So there was really nothing keeping me from <laughs> playing frisbee <laughs> in December <laughs> out here in Denver. But um. Yeah, I definitely like pick it up when when it's it's nice out. But um, yeah, I should definitely get into like an ac- activity like what you're saying. I think that that is that's a a useful thing because then it's not going to work out or like having to find 30 minutes of working out. It's like I'm going to go play basketball with my friends. I'm going to go play floor hockey with my friends, whatever it might be. It's like an activity and there's like a little social aspect instead of just listening to your headphones, watching fucking Fox news at the, on the gym TV, getting <laughs> enraged. <laughs> I feel like that's so bad for my cardio, watching the news while I'm doing cardio. I'm like, why, why is this shit on? Like you can't, you can't watch anything else. We've got to watch the fucking news while we're in here. But, oh God. um, that's an episode yeah. itself. The, the politics of gym TVs. It's like who gets the Oh pick, yeah, they man. won't they it's won't like, change yeah. it. Yeah. How about pickleball? Pickleball, I was just going to say, I'm glad you brought that up. Pickleball. They've got drop-in pickleball at the Wash Park Rec Center. They've repurposed the gym for indoor pickleball and people love it. People are oh, yeah. crazy about it. Uh, and I'm terrible at tennis, but pickleball seems like it might be more my 
speed. So oh, I'm anti, but what are you going to burn? 10 calories per hour? <laughs> it's more, but it, again, it's just like getting into the, the thing of it and having an activity, even if it's like light, like, you know, an hour of pickleball, uh, then, you know, Hey, that, you know what, the next day, make it an hour of hoops and then do this. I think it's just like putting the, the, those blocks into your day to day where it's like, I'm doing something, mm. uh, yeah. whether it's working out or, or going for a run or playing pickleball, uh, having something, but yes, I'm glad you brought a pickleball. Cause that is something that was on, on, on my list. He's Do just it. trying to irritate me. He's just trying to irritate me because he knows my stance on pickleball. Very negative. Pickle. I guess it was invented for old people to get their exercise, so it sounds perfect. <laughs> so, Andrew, exactly. you're 47. You did mention earlier you're looking at the back third of your life. We all are. Like, how are you viewing that back third? And and I guess fitness plays a role, but like, you know, what kinds of things are you thinking about? I mean, it's such a strange time in the world where. Again, not to steer back to AI because I know Conti's going to go off with these AI <laughs> jokes, but <laughs> uh, with this like new landscape for people that are in creative fields and entertainment, it feels very uh, un- uncertain and strange for sure. Um, and just comedy in general as a career, it's not a career for old people. You don't realize that when you start doing it, like you're like, oh, I can't believe it. I'm doing comedy. I'm a stand-up comedian. And it's just like the sky's the limit. And like I've worked with some old comedians, but I could count them on like one hand. They were mm-hmm. very rare. And I was usually working with them at venues that fucking sucked. <laughs> like Wits End. <laughs> you remember Wits End, Matt? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Man, those guys are jaded. <laughs> it's not a, it's, it's not, it doesn't yeah. exist uh, anymore. The place down in Colorado Springs, you always got some some veterans. That, Loonies, Loonies, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. There's there are places where you'd encounter these like really old people, but in general, it's a young person's game, and you you don't really realize that. But uh, now that I'm uh, in my forties and at this moment in my stand up career, I'm like, oh yeah, it would be. I can't imagine like going on the road in my sixties or something and like mm-hmm. staying in a hotel in Dayton, Ohio and doing a club. <laughs> but it's like, I don't know, maybe you just, maybe it's not, maybe it's not that hard, but it is definitely just from a marketability standpoint. I think, you know, uh, as you get older, you are not, uh, not the same, uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Attraction. You're, you're not desired in in the yeah. world of stand-up comedy. They want you know the 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 young, new, hot shit, and uh, so yeah, that's faces. another thing. It's like, well, what will you be doing as you uh, as you transition into this? And I have other stuff. I I do have the writing projects, but I also created my own game company. I make games and. I publish them and I have, you know, like other creative interests and outlets that, um, like apps, app games, like phone games, no, like tabletop games, like board games and role-playing game books. Um, where do we find that dude? That's a huge interest of mine. The company's called occupied hex and my website is occupiedhex.com. Yeah. I've made nine games so far. Um, it's very rewarding to, 
make the games and uh, I I release them on Kickstarter, which is a great platform for it. I don't know if either of you are familiar with Kickstarter, but basically a Kickstarter mm-hmm. is where you uh, launch a project and people can back it and you know the, it's basically a system where they're paying up front for the product instead of you making the product and then putting it on the market like who wants it and just waiting to see who randomly wants it with a kickstarter everyone who wants it is paying up front so when you make it and order it you have the actual number of units you need because you know how many people backed it so whether it's like 150 or 650 you have not only the numbers, you also have the money to produce it and print it up front and you're not like left with your ass hanging out uh, for mm-hmm. any of those costs. So it's a great system for creatives. You can do anything on Kickstarter. You can do books, movie projects, music. People do podcast projects. Like it's a it's a great system, but I've, I've used that for most of my stuff and they've all gone great, so... Yeah, I do that a, a lot in, with a lot of my time, for sure. So you're a true creative. That is pretty awesome. Uh, yeah, it's uh, like it's, you're spread. I mean, you're not just a joke writer like Matt. Yeah. That, that was another <laughs> kick to my balls here. That's what I need. <laughs> what well, if you you don't have to answer this, but I, I am curious. What are all the ways you're making money? I mean, you're clearly in a creative industry, but like how? Well, that's a real girlfriend's dad question, but I'll answer it. <laughs> <laughs> um, people, people are weird about money. So, I mean, I, I give you the out. I'm usually not making money. I'm usually not so making I make money. Money. Uh, I had a day job for a while, but I got laid off two months ago. Um, but the day job was... Uh, it was not like a full-time day job, but I do, I do freelance writing. I write like commercials and ads. I write scripts for uh, internal award shows, presentations, things like that. Um, that's just freelance though. And it happens just totally randomly. Uh, I do stand up, which uh, pays a little bit of money. I will say that the Denver standup scene pays better than it ever has historically. There's so many shows now that have uh, sponsors that it's it's not hard to go out and do a, a, a 30 minute set and get 300 bucks, which is a great yeah. payday yeah. for a local show. But um, yeah, I do, I do stand up. Uh, I do have the passive income from my games, which again, it kind of ebbs and flows. There's times where it seems to like pick up and I make more, but uh, the nice thing about the more titles I have out there is just that much more kind of passive income. And then I can just kind of, they live on all different sites and I can go, you know, like whatever, once a month and just collect all the earnings from them and kind of pool that together. And it, again, some months it's like not much. And then other months it's like a good chunk. Mm-hmm. Uh, I get royalties from my TV show. I get royalties from my albums. At this point, I make more on the royalties for my albums than I do from the show. But like, if you're a comedian, putting an album out there is a great, another great way to make passive income because you'll get these quarterly checks um, from who? Every album seems to like ex- grow it exponentially. From Apple or from Spotify or places like that, it's or like what? serious. It's mostly the royalties. I think come are coming from serious radio. Okay. Um, Spotify pays like nothing. It pays like fractions of, yeah. 
I had a bid on Spotify that had two million listens, and I I I don't know. It was worth like a dime or something. It was <laughs> worth like fucking nothing. Oh, um, wow. But yeah, you can get paid through Apple too. But I think the the best money from all that comes from Sirius XM Radio. AI, an AI explosion is upon us. AI on your face. AI on your chest. AI in your ears. AI in your nose. A little AI in your eyes. AI, AI, AI. AI in your bum. AI in your mouth. No AI in there. AI is everywhere except in there. Part of this show, I do uh, parody commercials and they're all horrible. Um, (laughs) but, uh, some of them are pretty grotesque and my wife is, uh, very angry, but I'm curious like about that process of, of writing, um, advertisements. Are these audio? Are they, uh, just like online stuff? What are you doing there? Now that I know that uh, people are always listening to my presence on these podcasts and everything, I want to start by saying I appreciate uh, uh, all the ad writing that I've been able to do. I have a, I, I do have a great time doing it, and uh, <laughs> but it is like absolutely like soulless writing from a creative standpoint. Like they will like the agency will give you the brief, and it'll be like this ad is targeting. Uh, uh, you know, white males, 18 to 34 who earn this much money a year. And, uh, we're looking to drive them to our gambling website. Uh, it's a sports gambling website. And so you, Mm. that's like, you get to see that behind the curtain of like, Oh, this feels gross. (laughs) But then like on the creative side, they'll basically start you off. They're like, we're looking for stuff you know, the talks about how now you can sports gamble in Michigan and, but we want it to seem like, uh, uh, that's something that anybody can do. So it should be like every man's stuff. It should be like a guy and his buddies, you know, like in their man cave or like a guy talking to his girlfriend. And so then you basically, you turn in these scripts and, you know, whatever they might be 30 second spots, 15 second spots. And, uh, uh, you, yeah, you just try to write funny stuff, but then it always comes back and they're like, they don't like, they never like the joke. So not, not the agency, the agency got people are, uh, they have senses of humor, but then the clients, yeah. they never like jokes or they think that they think everything is sexual. Like you'll say the word like snake in dialogue and they're like, does saying snake make people think of like penises? And you're like on the conference call, you're like literally to no one else. Like you are, you're the only person on this call who hears the word snake and thinks penis. What's wrong with you? But uh, so it's, it's a lot of that, but uh, sometimes it's like, it feels like a, a, it's like a comedy writing, uh, like, like S tier challenge. I remember I had to write uh, a, a, a Snickers commercial for Ronald Acuna Jr., uh, who they told me does not speak English, so he can't he can't speak in the commercial, and you can't make any jokes or references to his uh, his baseball playing. If you don't know, he's a pro MLB player, one of the best players, mm-hmm. and 
So, so the brief is like, he can't speak. Uh, and he, and you can't make any references or jokes about him playing baseball and it's for a candy bar. So it's like, go, go ahead. Give me, give me all your ideas for how you, and it's like, wow, this is, this is tough. And so you're like laying out a scene, like in addition to dialogue writing, you're like, all right, Okuna. Yeah. On, you write, it's basically a tiny, yeah. imagine writing like a sketch, like a comedy sketch, uh, but yeah. it's 30 seconds long. And it's like, uh, a guy's hanging out with Ronald Acuna Jr. And, uh, uh, Ronald throws him a Snickers bar and the guy fumbles the catch or something like it's I don't even remember what I I ultimately chose for it, but it was it was very tricky there would be parameters like that that were uh, I did I would write ads for like uh, Marvel movies uh, Disney stuff and like a lot of sports properties we would do these ads I don't know if you saw I've ever seen these ads but they do these mashup ads where they're like they have a movie like Jungle Cruise with The Rock or, mm-hmm. or Thor or something, but then they like intercut like NBA stars in the action as if they're in the movie. I don't know if you've seen these ads. They play yeah, them during yeah. games and stuff. But I had to write a good amount of those too. And those were very tricky because they would just send you a bunch of clips and they'd be like, make these two NBA stars like they're also on the Jungle Cruise and they're like talking about it in this. And so you'd have these clips and you'd have to like, right around the clips and like stitch it all together so that it kind of seemed to uh to make sense but it's a tricky business because you'd want to have like a portfolio for it and all of the finished products were not like what i wrote like i would write to the best of my comedy abilities and be like okay like i think that this is pretty funny and then it goes up the chain and it gets rewritten or you know tweaked and whatever and so when I would see the actual like clip of it, I'm like, oh man, they took all the best jokes out and it's like this, but you run a portfolio. So you've got this portfolio of stuff and it's like the stuff that I wrote was way funnier, but with ad writing, you just have to kind of swallow it and put Mm. whatever gets made into the portfolio. Um, Did you, did you get this look from your, like, what's the, what's the attraction to Andrew? Because you, you have experience writing, for a TV show or because you're a comic I'm a comedy or... writer. Yeah, it's either stand up or that I wrote on a TV show, but but you have um, some sort of representation, right? Like I don't like no, if Lance I... want to pursue this like how how does somebody get into it besides just, them hearing I get awesome into it just through word of mouth cuz it's other comedians do it and so that they I've gotten in just by somebody like kicking side work to me where they're like I'm too busy to do this, can you do it? Uh, yeah. And then you're kind of like in the rotation because they have like a bullpen of freelance writers they use. So you want to kind of just get into their bullpen and uh, so that you're in the rotation or whatever. Uh, the other way to get it would be to just get a job as a writer at an ad agency, which is what I've been trying to do and seems to be much tougher Um despite having a great portfolio, you would be hard pressed to find an ad writer mm-hmm. with a stronger portfolio of clients than the people I've written for. It's like Coca-Cola, Facebook, BMW, the NBA, MLB, Marvel, Disney. Like these are like top tier clients uh, that yeah. I've all, all written, written stuff for. And I've never even gotten a sniff from any ad agency for ad writing. So I'm not sure... But the, what I would imagine is they're like, if you don't have a marketing degree, we're not interested. And it's like, right. I don't have a marketing degree, but I do have literally years of experience writing ads that have been on TV. So 
I don't know if you what what is more valuable to you, but mm-hmm. um, you could go either. Yeah, either way. I mean, just letting people know you're interested in it is a huge step because you never know when people will want it. I've gotten these jobs through some weird avenues where people were like, hey, I've got a friend who works for uh, this corporation and they want someone to write uh, a funny intro for their like their stockholders meeting. Would you be interested in doing that? And then if you can do that and who knows what doors they'll open. Cause if they like that intro you've met, then they're like, you know what? We've got a different presentation that we need you for. Again, like I said uh, earlier in the show, you never know like what these like at the time seem like little things can lead to down the road that ultimately make them worth doing just for that, that reason. But mm-hmm. just let people know that you're interested in doing it. And if, if you want to do it in a bigger scale, try to get a job with an actual ad agency. Well, all right, Andrew, appreciate you being on, man. It was, it was awesome. Yeah, sorry I talked y'all's ears off, but no, that's uh, what we wanted. I feel like we covered all the bases. When, when's the next live show uh, for you oh, guys? Oh, for the Grolix? We do it the last yeah. Saturday of every month at uh, the Bug. It's in Denver? Mm-hmm. In Denver oh. at the Bug Theater in yeah. the Highlands. Yeah. Is that the 27th? Yeah, this comes out in January. It would be the twenty seventh. Um, the Bug Theater is definitely worth checking out. It's one of the like the last cool old things seemingly left in Denver. I'm so happy to be up here in Portland. I'm from Colorado, but I always like coming up here to visit. I told my buddy I was going to Portland, and he goes, "Portland, huh? <laughs> Hope you like bikes." <laughs> If the shittiest thing somebody can say about your city is, hope you like bikes, <laughs> you're doing pretty well for yourself. So, well done. I've actually spent a considerable amount of time in Portland, and I don't know if bikes are the biggest problem. <laughs> actually, maybe, maybe, maybe more like Portland, huh? Hope you like two teenagers smoking drugs off tinfoil outside your hotel room at 3 a.m. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Might be a little more accurate. I don't know. Seniors 94 is written and produced by Matt and Lance. Jingles, commercials, editing by Lance. Stand-up comedy outsourcing efforts by Matt. Musical support from T. Coma and Klaxberg. Thanks to Andrew Orbdahl for coming on.